our sin can't be excused by, there has to be punishment for it. And so imagine the judge, so, you know, we're all there for murder. Imagine the judge said, hey, I'm going to take the death sentence for you guys. Like, that's crazy. Okay, guys. Well, uh, welcome to the first official Glorify Him podcast. And today we're going to be talking about the foundations of Christianity. Uh, we're excited to dive into scripture, uh, share our personal views, perspectives, insights, etc. Um, so let's just quickly reintroduce ourselves as the crew. Uh, Cricket, why don't you go first, real quick, and then uh, we'll we'll get started. Yeah, I'm Cricket. I'm Seth. I'm Ethan. And I'm Kiefer, and. Uh, Sets us in an open up in prayer, and we're going to get right into it, guys. So glad you can be here with us. All right, let's do it. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Lord God, we just come before you, Lord, and just give you thanks and praise, Lord God, for another day today. We thank you, Lord God. This is the uh, first episode of our podcast, and we're really excited to uh, honor and glorify you, Lord, and to um, be used by, by you for your purposes, Lord God, to uh, boast in you and to um, be light and salt and show people who you are. Um, and we just pray, Lord God, that we would grant success in our first episode and uh, be with us, Lord God, and Holy Spirit, move in the hearts of those who are listening and in our hearts as well as we uh, speak, Lord God, help us to speak clearly, Lord God, and to uh, bless us, all of us, as we do this, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 All right, guys, so the foundations of Christianity, pretty big topic we got on our hands here, uh, but we're going to try to be concise, but we're going to give you as much information and, and insight as we can on it. So I think a good way to start is, uh, as Seth just opened up in prayer, why don't we just discuss prayer in general real quick if we can. Um, what does prayer mean to you? Maybe you can, uh, I know we have some verses ready to go. If you want to just read one of those, then we can dive straight into uh, our views on prayer and what uh, prayer is uh, significant and, and uh, how it impacts our lives as Christians. So. so now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptations. So quickly, just as reference, guys, it's, uh, it's Luke 11, 1 to 11, where you can find this uh, passage. Uh, but yeah, Seth or Ethan, if you guys want to jump straight in and, and maybe give us uh, your thoughts on, on this passage and, and how prayer rel uh, relates to your life uh, personally, that'd be great. I think first and foremost... Um you gotta have it in KJV for the Lord's Prayer. It's gotta be in KJV. If you know, you know. Father, hallowed be thy name. So we give honor and glory and thanks to God first, first and foremost, when we come to pray. We don't just come into the room and start just asking God for things or start, you know, lamenting or something <laughs> like that. Or just coming out like, you know, like any which way you want, right? But you come correct yeah. and uh, you give thanks and fear to God first uh, when you come into his presence, right? And the second thing is, uh, uh, I, know only, I, I know it in KJV, so give me a second here. Um, Thy kingdom come, right? So, I mean, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, there are different manuscripts, right, that have uh, different variations. But, I mean, first, of, like I was saying, first thing is, you know, fear and reverence for God. Second thing is that God's will be done and not our own, right? Which I know Jesus obviously wants to make that very clear uh, if you're coming in prayer. I, I was just going to say, like, it's, uh, I've always understood this like passage, well, not always, for a while now, to, um, it's really a model of how to pray. It's not that we were supposed to just simply recite this, not, um, 
not that it can't be recited but that this is a model for us on how to pray that we should um like uh um like Seth was getting at first we should start with like praising God and, and I think it's a good idea to always think about um like when you go to prayer don't just start by like asking for things I mean sometimes it's okay to start that sometimes you want your prayers to be very natural but it's I think it's a good practice to start with reminding ourselves of who God is yeah. um and his character and I think this uh, prayer kind of kind of sets that up by thinking about his name and his kingdom first and then uh, when it says give us our daily bread that kind of reminds me of like we we want to be um cricket said like providence but it also reminds me we want to depend on on god and i think i think prayer um really has, should have a great emphasis on like just depending on god because um you, jesus himself like was completely depending on like the father and he set the example for us in his life um not just in this way this prayer set up but just in the way he lived his life um and another thing i find really uh cool this prayer when it, the thing with the the forgiveness part um it's not that we're asking for forgiveness so that we can be uh make sure we feel secure that we're saved like once once we're saved you're saved like we i think this prayer like it's important to recognize that I, i've always I, I like this analogy is described to me as like when you ask for forgiveness after you're saved you're, you're making sure things are good if your father when you first get saved you're making sure you're getting like you know the judge like the judge is saying you're you're clear of the, the penalty but you you deserve for your sins and like i find that like um in this prayer it's kind of emphasizing that idea of like you want things to be good if your father because it's a relationship right so i think i think there's a there's a really nice emphasis here on um even on just relationship in this prayer and that like we want our, our prayers to be personal um so yeah those are um, those are some thoughts on the, this passage is really really good there's something that I continue to struggle with. This prayer is a hard thing mm. for me personally because it's like you're communicating with God and He's not actually here. Like I understand He's present with us everywhere we go, but it's like it's different when you're talking to someone like I'm a friend, like Kiefer or Seth or Ethan, versus talking to someone that you can't physically be there, or like that's there. So I wanted to emphasize that. Like I think it's it hard. It is hard. Like I, I'm not trying to say prayer praying's easy and like you can do it and stuff. It's difficult, and I I experience that every day. And I'm trying to work on my best. But also, it's it opens our relationship with God within, like me and Jesus and the whole like the Holy Spirit and right. So I think it opens with the re relationship when the veil was torn open when the like when Jesus died yeah, on the cross, yeah. right? So I think that it opened our relationship with him to have a personal communicational communal stuff yeah. with him like we can have we can share our feelings our thoughts like anything he wants us to be open vulnerable and all of that but yeah that's, i just wanted to add something quick but yeah no i think i think that's a good point uh you raised because you know like i think prayer is a little underestimated or even not talked about enough in another sense I think uh, people think it just, you know, like when we say prayer, it's like, okay, like you're talking to God, of course. But the fact that you mentioned that some, sometimes prayer isn't easy for a lot of people, right? Uh, it could be, for example, like you like you said, sometimes it's hard because it's not like I'm sitting right in front of you and we're having a conversation like that, right? Uh, or it could be based on circumstance. If you're feeling uh, a little dry in a season and, and you're having a hard time coming before God and being transparent. Uh, but, you know, when I go back and, and I look at the Lord's Prayer, it's... Uh, I really, really like how he opens with Hallow Be Your Name because I think it shows um, reverence for God. And I think that's something we don't do enough, to be honest with you. I think, um, like, of course, we're supposed to come just as we are, right? 
Um, but I think we're supposed to have this reverence before God that, you know, we are giving our best version of ourselves to Him. Um, and not only that, I, I really like how it says, you know, give us each day our daily bread. You know, I, th- I think that's, that, that represents uh, being content and humble in what God is providing for you. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and each day, uh, giving thanks for what He's given you because, you know, sometimes we get ahead of ourselves and and uh, we, we, we list off a certain thing like God's just a, a genie in a bottle and He has to fulfill all these uh, wants, not even needs of ours, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I think it's a great example we can constantly look back to. And, and I wanted to pose the question to you three and, and say, uh, what has prayer done for you personally in your lives? You know what I mean? Like, do you feel like uh, it's it's transforming you when you pray. Uh, do you think it's it's absolutely necessary to communicate verbally? Like, like what do you think prayer is to you, and and how has it impacted you in your in your walk with God? Yeah, prayer is. Uh, I mean, you can't do anything without prayer. Honestly, Jesus was a man of prayer. Uh, lived on his knees, really. Um, and uh, we get that example from Scripture. He always made time to pray. Always, even when he was tired, exhausted, he was working the entire day. He made time to pray early in the morning, early hours in the morning. And uh, late in night, always, he made time. And he always was always asking his disciples for time alone um, to go and pray by himself, always. Uh, you know, one verse now, I forgot it now, I should have thought about it. When he says, you know, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in secret and he will hear you and he will, uh, you know, reward you, right? Um, and I think, honestly, for me, there's my there's lots of aspects of the christian life and relationship with god that um are amazing but for me i think my favorite um thing every day is my personal alone time with uh god and scripture reading and prayer especially prayer is probably my favorite um there is something very very special about that quiet time where you just feel even in turmoil you feel at peace and god to just come into his presence and pray and that's something definitely that is given by god as a gift directly our relationship with him that i can pray and uh outpour everything that's that's burdening me and laid at his feet um i mean you have to ask god you have to ask god for everything there's nothing you can supply yourself uh and um like if you're saying i think it's really intentional and that uh when jesus says that you know give us daily daily bread i mean for one when jesus says that you know people don't live by bread alone by every word that comes from god's mouth so i think it's one it's asking for the word of God. It's asking to be satisfied and content in what you have. And it's asking for what you mm. need. Um, that God, just give me what I need for today. Whatever whatever that is that I need. Not, oh, I need a Beamer and I need a Benz. And I need, like, I don't know, the promotion at work. But it's like, give me my daily bread. Like, what I need, give it to me. Yep. And um, it also says, you know, our Father mm. knows our needs before we even ask, right? Good point, yeah. I think after prayer is like, you know, like, prayer is like, literally, like, you literally have direct access to asking and telling god literally anything um that jesus says Mm. like you know you know move mountains or even when he's casting out demons he's saying that some demons some demons only by prayer right um cast it out so Mm. it's like literally like you can anything in life literally anything you get on your knees and you ask god to do it and if it says well he'll do it that's crazy yeah i also want to say about like how prayer isn't just talking Mm physically like i'm gonna be like having yeah. a conversation it could be like i love journaling like something that i do is writing and my like the blog that i used to do is a way of me praying to god and just to do it as an act of worship to him. so people that are listening like prayer is just not right talking to god it could be different aspects of prayer like it can be writing it can be like it can be different things i'm probably just i have some out of my with what i'm thinking right now but like prayer can be a lot of different things so i think it it matters on what works for yeah. you 
I think that's life. a great point because like, that's like just one time. You know when when we when we use the word worship, a lot of time people think okay music. You know what I mean? Uh, and they confine worship to like one aspect and, and like okay no that's not wor- what worship is like that's that's an aspect of worship but that's not embodying worship. Worship is so much more than that and so so is prayer right? I think you you embody a state of prayer uh, in everything you do throughout your walk throughout your day. It could be just uh, meditating on the Word of God. It could be uh, having a conversation out loud. Uh, it could be doing the dishes and, and, and like your heart is just worshiping and praying to God in, in that state. You know what I mean? And I liked what Seth said as well because I think he's describing uh, a certain intimacy. You know what I mean? Having that alone time is so important um, because, you know, all, all the lights are off. For example, no one's around. It's just you and God. You know what I mean? You and your Creator. And and having that intimacy and going in that intimacy and relationship is so important. So I just wanted to say that. But Ethan, yeah, man, jump in and, and what, what is prayer to you? One thing that really just jumps out at me is like the past like uh, year, actually, like I've gotten into freestyling. But it actually, like you guys don't even know this yet, but it actually started from a place of prayer. I started freestyling um, because it was a way for me, a new way for me to communicate with God. Um, a way for my, me to express myself because I feel like there's too much like repression in my life and it was a way for me to get my emotions out and um, and it's been amazing it's been it's been definitely a very transforming experience um, I, I freestyle now more than just like um, like prayers but typically it comes from that place of like communicating with God or glorifying God um, and it's just it's been amazing really just just having that freedom just to, to do it through kind of like music like that but I think it's so beautiful how just like you guys been getting at just the many different ways you can uh, you can communicate with God but um but at the same time though I still think there's a lot of value just to having that regular you know conversation and um uh, just in any relationship still have that conversation and I mean the primary way we do listen to him is is through reading the word and letting the Holy Spirit like witness to our hearts um not to say it's the only way um but um it's definitely been uh it's been uh, pray- prayer is just it's something I've also been starting to realize too is that it's um just that really that emphasis on a relationship. I think for too long in my life I was kind of like I was kind of lacking that. Um, probably for one reason it's just because like he already knows what I'm going to say, right? And I mean I think we maybe could have a discussion, a whole podcast on just talking about that like prayer more sometime and just kind of like that idea of like um, like I really do think that you know our prayers do affect God, you know, like. Although he knows what we'll say, our prayers will influence God, um, and uh, if we, if we depend on Him and we, we have humble hearts, and He wants us to ask, and, and the Bible completely encourages us to ask, and He's a good Father who uh, gives gives generously. So um, I think that's definitely a really big um, factor, just knowing that He really does want to respond to my prayers and, and answer them, but also just realizing that like He knows best as well. Um, I've, I've heard a really good analogy, like analogy that you know like. Like if I if I were a parent and my kid came up and asked me like, um, hey, uh, could I could I have the knife? And let's say they're like two years old and it's like a shark like keg knife or something. You know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna give the kid the knife. And like God God knows what you know um, knows best. Sometimes he says wait. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Um, sometimes he lets us go screw things up yeah. and then we learn. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a. Uh, I think there's so many dynamics to prayer. It's really. Uh, I just want to jump in one more time, real quick. Something just laid on my heart. I think it's so important, and I also think uh, not a lot of people come to this uh, realization is that it's important to be in alignment with God. 
um, just look at Jesus, right? <laughs> Complete alignment at every step of the way and always wanting to fulfill the will of the Father, right? Um, and I, I think that's so important because oftentimes in our limited human uh, mind state, right? We're always focusing on what we believe is right, what we believe we need. Um, but the will of the Father supersedes all of that. You know what I mean? It precedes and supersedes all of this stuff. And I think being in alignment with God kind of gives you that notion that, okay, I know what I should be praying for. You know what I mean? I, I don't need a... Like, of course, I think we all have wants. I think that that's just human nature to, to want things. But I think as God sifts you and, and, and renews you and transforms you, you kind of come to this realization that I don't need to be praying for this right now. Like, this is not what God wants me to pray for. And I've been coming to that realization a lot for myself, right? It's like, I shouldn't be praying for this. This is not God. God this is not God's will for me. Let me focus on God's will and that that may transpire in me. You know what I mean? So... Uh, that's my personal thing. So I'm not saying I'm not pushing that on anyone else. I'm not trying to impose you, but but when I pray, oh, yeah. I personally I stay away from my wants. You know what I mean? I always stay away from my wants, and I always focus on the will of the Father because I just think that's what I need to do in my stage of life is uh, just just fully rely and trust God at, at, through prayer and and uh, just you know I'm seeking truly the kingdom of God first, not that all else is added, but trusting that God gives me what I need, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree yeah. with you, and I think that um, for me personally, I don't know when I started doing it, but uh, I, for a long time, um, I would pray and I would say, you know, Holy Spirit, you know, teach me what to yeah. pray for, because it says in, you know, in, in, in the Word that, uh, you know, we don't know what to pray for. I think Paul says, but the Holy Spirit with moans and groans intercedes for yeah. us, and I believe wholeheartedly that the Holy Spirit teaches us what to pray for, because we don't know, right? What do yeah. we know? And I think you're right that it's so important to be anchored in Christ and anchored in God's word and that for that to be your frame of reference what you need to pray for. Like, yes, obviously I'm discerning what's going on in my life and I need to pray for priorities. But the God, or God's word and his values and priorities and godly things should be, and his will first should be anchoring what I even come to pray for. Because then I understand, okay, well, I know I don't ask you for these things or I know, okay, I need to trust you this way when I pray or I need to believe to receive like Jesus says. Yeah. According to your faith, right? Yeah. So 100%, like... It, you need to be anchored in God's word to know what to mm. pray for. Otherwise, you won't know. Yeah, and you'll be putting, like you said, your wants mm. first um, instead of, and you won't have that check to be like, okay, you know what? And I agree with you. Like recently too, uh, I've been you know, getting checked on that too. You know, praying for things where I really realize, you know, I really shouldn't be praying for this. This is not the priority in our relationship with God right now, and this isn't what I know. This is not what He wants yeah. first. So no, yeah, I feel you. Uh, if you just if you just like I, for people, I think also it's important to know about prayers. That like say like you said, some people struggle with prayer. For some people, scripture reading comes easily. For some people, mm. prayer comes easily. Um, and usually they switch off one or the other, and it's a process of getting uh, good at at uh, being consistent with both. Yeah, a verse comes to my mind with regarding all this is First John two six is whoever claims to live in Him must walk as He did, must walk yeah. in His footsteps. And I feel like we are called to walk in mm. Jesus' footsteps, yep. prayer, scripture reading, all of that. And if you, if we look at Jesus' life carefully, he withdrew amongst the crowd mm. to go pray. You know, he withdrew morning, evening. He withdrew a lot of yeah. times. That's all I can say. And he took time to pray. So that should be a 100%. priority in our life. And I feel like mm -hmm. oftentimes it's not taken as seriously, but 100%. it should be taken seriously. And I think, um, like, we talked about scripture reading, and I think it's, uh, it's our next yeah, point. Smooth transition, thing, I like right? it. Like, I think that's another important, yeah. 
<laughs> and yeah. I think that's another big one too, right? Like, um, yeah, the Bible is authoritative word of God and it's a revelation and hundreds percent inspired and truth. God used humans to write it. God used people like you and me to write so it. Second Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. I mean, the other one that comes to mind too, I should have wrote it down, man. Um, you know, the word, word of God. Second Peter one twenty one. Is that the one? Word of God is alive, uh, sharper than any two edged sword, cutting between joint yeah, and marrow. I think that's is that Hebrews exposing, exposing your soul, right? Yeah, yeah. That, that's Hebrews somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that one is too. It's like it's literally like it's like a literally your it's your first defense and your weapon. Um, and yeah. uh, also your 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 cling on comfort to get through life, and like Jesus says that people don't live by bread when he's getting tempted. You know, people don't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from God's mouth. Yeah. Uh, you don't know how to live and do anything without God's word. Um, it's your anchor to the ground, keeping you in check, right? And and even when we're looking at Old Testament, we're looking at David in his Psalms, where he says, "You know, Lord, I, I delight in your law, and I meditate on it day and night." Um, and uh, when God is first made forming the covenant, and He's telling people, uh, "You know, put it on your forehead, keep it on your wrist, put it on your door," right? He's talking about the law. Um, he's he's you need to be like he it, it, it doesn't mean it literally in that sense. He means that it needs to be on your person at all times. Mm -hmm. You are meditating, and thinking about it, teaching your children it, and staying in it that you don't deviate and fall away. Um, and um, also that part passage in Hebrews, it's literally like a sword that convicts people into the ground and that brings them to their knees in humility when we read it and we see ourselves and we're like, what the heck? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that we're sinners, right? And I also think mm -hmm. that in terms of, you know, Cricket was saying too, yeah, it's the, you know, because people get it twisted sometimes with, with God's word, how important it is. It's literally completely authoritative yeah. for the way we live our lives and the way we do literally anything. Mm. Like we have to be in submission to it, mm. right? Um, and like Craig was saying, it's absolutely insane. That it's not magic, but it's supernaturally inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yep. Um, through through fallible men, God's produced a fa infallible message. Mm. And in, in the words of humans, literally, right? You know, when Moses is writing, it's in his words, but God has wholly inspired it to be perfect and infallible. And, you know, we use those words a lot. I think it's important to say, like, yeah, that God's word is infallible and inerrant. There's no mistakes, no errors. And everything that it affirms, everything that it claims is 100% true as it says it mm. is. Um, you know, spelling errors that, and, you know, that has nothing to do with <laughs> it being God's holy inspired word. I think it's brought God joy and pleasure to use us and, and, and uh, use provinces in office to give them the responsibility to uh, and, and the privilege of writing it down themselves um, and guiding that process. And um, I mean, it's incredible, really. God's holy inspired words. And when I came to faith, I'm reading it. And I'm like, this is the most amazing thing I've written in my entire life because uh, it's literally history, right? Mm -hmm. It's literally uh, the history of God's interaction with man, his intention creating creation in the first place. Um, um, it exposes uh, who, men, who men are, like who we are um, as, as sinners and people made in God's image. And it, ex and it shows God's glorious character over time with his chosen people and their interactions, their personal relationship with him. And uh, just everything culminating to, to Jesus and also uh, 2,000 years later now till now. Um, and it's crazy. It's like it's a narrative. The Bible is a story. It's a narrative mm. that's being told mm. uh, from beginning to end where there is a, there is a clear headpoint, an objective and um man like it's it's absolutely insane like it says and it's 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 unfortunately sure. uh it's been downplayed i think in a lot of circles 
these yeah. days, um, especially when it comes to the Old Testament, right? Um, mm. That it's not, you know, with, with the rise of lots of, you know, more like liberal ideas of scripture and things like that, and uh, it's become, uh, you know, tragic, I think, and that it is not being revered to the level that it needs to be. Where, where God literally says, you know, in Revelation, you change this, you get a curse, right? Because it's, it's this is literally your life bread, um, and you cannot live without it. So, yeah. It is the best-selling book for a reason, right? <laughs> but even I was thinking, like, you know, it's so crazy, it's holy inspiration, is that even if you'd have, even if, I mean, I've heard, like, testimonies, you know, people just have a little strip, have just a little passage, have a little thing, they don't even have the entire thing, but they're still being convicted or coming, or God's using it to bring them to faith through even just portions. You could have a, a, a Bible that's been corrupted, um, and, that, and the content has been changed, but even if a little sliver of that has not been changed, God can still use that for His glory because it's holy inspired, and, mm. and it's crazy because mm -hmm. you cannot yeah. make it unholy inspired, even if you change like fifty percent of the content, mm. which is nuts, right? Mm. So I heard yeah. this, uh, this testimony. There's this guy in Vietnam. Uh, it was during the Vietnam War, and uh, he was uh, working in a military base, and he was cleaning uh, the latrine, right? And uh, I guess the, uh, the commander there, or whatever his name is, I don't know military titles, uh, he was using the Bible, scripture, as his toilet paper, um, and like little strips. And this guy who was cleaning the latrine, he cleaned, he, he, put, he was put on that duty one day, and, he, uh, and um, he was not Christian. And he picked it up, and he read it. And I forgot the verse that he read, but it had to do completely with the situation, and it convicted him so hard and gave him hope. Because uh, I think he was... I, I can't remember now. I think he was thinking about dying, right? And um, then he asked. He went back the next day. And he asked, "Hey, can I clean the can I clean the latrine again?" And they were like, "What?" I'm like, okay. And he would go every day and he would clean off those verses. He would clean it off with water and stuff like that. And he would collect them and he would read them, um, the scripture. And uh, it just goes to show little strips. And he's coming to faith. And he did. He was saved. And he ended up coming to to Canada and everything. So. It's uh, you can't you, you can't stop it from being wholly inspired even if you chop them to little bits it's still wholly inspired so yeah what I was gonna say is about like I think you touched upon this uh, set about like the temptation part right like we like we're tempted left right and center that's all I can say we're always tempted in this world right like and I think scripture is there to lead us not into temptation because he puts it on our hearts be like. Okay, he puts this verse on our hearts and be like, you shouldn't be tempted because this verse tells exactly why you shouldn't be tempted. And he, I think he puts it on his hearts in the right time at the right mm -hmm. place. And that's why I think it's important, not just for like, just to learn God's word. Like there's many reasons why we should be reading scripture. Like I think temptation is a big one too, because I feel like oftentimes people don't think about that. But yeah, just wanted to. Ethan, what about you, bro? What are your thoughts on scripture and... And why did you give us some insight on that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll give some thoughts. Yeah, just a small contemplation. That's just crazy. Like using using uh, the Bible as toilet paper, and it still finds a way. Yeah, you go, <laughs> did not expect that from the from the story. I'll be honest. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for real. Um, yeah, I mean, like honestly, like the Bible is actually a masterpiece. Like. I know, I know Seth briefly mentions narrative, but like the different kinds of like liter literary oh, um, genres, yeah. genres that are in the Bible. I mean, we got history in there. We got like uh, poetry in there in the Psalms. We got straight up narrative, like actual like narrative, Proverbs, like storytelling. Yeah, crazy. We have a uh, biography, biography of Jesus. We got letters. We got uh, apocalyptic and uh, prophetic literature. It's crazy. And the way it all comes together 
and the way it doesn't contradict the way it all points to Jesus points to like the, the gospel message you know what I'm saying like it's like it, it's a literally yeah, a masterpiece like there's no masterpiece like it like, it's, all, it's divinely inspired bro, how, how can you say? not smile after this guy just gave us a line like that like if you literally like yeah. as a human being if you try to comprehend that Throughout the whole Bible, there is not a single contradiction. I'm talking. I'm not talking man-made contradiction, right? Where people interpret things differently and, and use it against each other. But the Bible does not like uh, contradict itself, right? You know what I mean? And and that's just crazy to me. Like you literally got me like laughing, bro. <laughs> the way you just said your, your whole thing there. Yo, like what? <laughs> and the thing is, people. The, you know, the strat usually people says Bible can use sixty-six books, forty different authors, over fifteen hundred years, three different languages, three different continents, and it's telling the same narrative over all this time and just got here i got it right here as reference you see this so my dead sea scrolls uh little booklet from the wrong royal ontario museum okay you see that i usually i got got this from ministry of muslims because it says in this it's that our dead sea scrolls right 99 percent similar to what we have today so it's perfectly preserved and we're we're talking about the one percent it's crazy we're talking about that one percent that's missing we're not talking about content Right? We're talking about scribal errors. So this is the holy inspired word of God that's unchanged. Yeah. Okay? Like tomato, tomato, potato, potato. Yeah. 99%. Like, little, like little comma, apostrophe, whatever. And this is a secular source, bro. The Ram, the Ram had, ain't got no bias. <laughs> this is pure scholarship, right? I think it's also really amazing and sign. worth mentioning is that scripture has withstood the test of oh, time. Oh, yeah, man. Even under scrutiny. Mm-hmm. The last 200 years, mm-hmm. the Bible's been torn up by scholarship mm. like I'm telling you like like the last 200 years nothing has faced more criticism than, than scripture but it, it's still here and that's how it will always I'll be. tell you something man like I, I think uh, like when you, when you grow up right and like you're a kid or even like a teenager you kind of like downplay the significance of it perhaps it's, it's based on uh, your level of faith as well obviously right um, but for me personally back then like when I was a kid I'd be like bro like like how am I supposed to read this? Like it's like it's so boring, you know what I mean? Like as a kid, but then as you start to grow in your faith and you start to mature and you start to progress, um, and and God's revelation is kind of instilled in you through your personal devotion. I think you just see the power of it uh, in so many different ways. And I'll tell you this: I really like the the fact that you know this is the sword. You know what I mean? Like this is the sword of the spirit here. This is what we're supposed to mm-hmm. use to combat temptation, as Cricket and Seth were saying, right? And I'll tell you this. For anyone who thinks that the Bible is not necessary, Satan himself used it to tempt Jesus. <laughs> the fact that Satan needed to use Scripture to tempt Jesus, and then and, and that's the thing when we we need to understand it. I think as a Christian, as a Christian, it's your responsibility to study it and to learn it um, because it can be misused, and, and that's very dangerous, right? Um, but it's so important to a Christian's walk, and I don't think anyone should be downplaying uh, the significance and importance of it. Um, not only that, I think any any man who tries to do that is is dishonoring God in, in a way. You know what I mean? I think we have to focus on how important the Bible is to uh, the Christian walk. I think Seth, Seth is having <laughs> a little technical difficulty here, For but sure. so we're gonna actually talk about something important and a core to our faith is the gospel the good news uh, right so i'm gonna actually explain to you what i think the gospel is and then i'm gonna have everybody else explain to them what they think the gospel is as well because i feel like it's important to share what we think and i think first of all the gospel is a convicting and not condemning and the gospel is a gospel of love one of my favorite books in the bible is john and 
the gospel of john emphasizes love and i feel like that's why it draws me to it and i feel like that's what drew me to christ is his love for me and his willingness to die on the cross for me and for my sins so anyone can jump in on what they think the gospel is and we can also share about what is the gospel in general i think ethan do you want to share about what the gospel hmm. in general is yeah yeah like so um i mean the gospel it really really just starts with this idea like god there's god right before anything's created there's god um god is uh creation is dependent on god so he god creates everything and then basically you know there's adam and eve adam and eve sin and then we have sin come into the world um, i'm gonna try to sum this up really quick sin comes into the world because they rebel against god they disobey god um and we all sin every single one of us since adam and eve have sinned we've inherited a sin nature uh, and um you know, I could go through the Ten Commandments really quick. You know, I'm sure all of us have done small lies in our life. We've looked at a, a woman or a man of lust. We've dishonored our parents. I mean, that's only like three of the Ten Commandments. Have you ever like co- coveted somebody else's possessions? Um, yeah. Like, we it's put just other so, things above God. Yeah, yeah, all the time we put other things above God, and we we, we, we put them to the side as if he's not important. 100%. And um, and, and if we really examine ourselves, like mm-hmm. you know, when you read the Bible, it's it's it shows us to to, to see how much we really do fall short of uh, God. And then, but then there's a solution, and uh, through Israel, through, through the Jewish people, Jesus, who was a Jew, um, eventually, you know, he he came to Earth. So God becomes God becomes a uh, human. That's Jesus, right? And um, although Jesus already existed, but like he became human, like flesh. And and what he, what his main purpose was, although he did miracles and he did healings and all these things, his main purpose was to die on the cross. And the reason he came to die on the cross was to restore relationship. Um, so, so basically, the whole gospel message—gospel means good news, by the way. The good—it's all about relationship. It's all about God redeeming relationship. And what sin—what sin did was it, it, yeah. sin separated us from relationship with God. Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, and we—we we can't have that same kind of perfect, beautiful connection and unity, unity that Adam and Eve had. So Jesus came, died on the cross. And what he did there was, is he took the punishment that we deserve for our sins. And we're talking about a perfectly, infinitely holy, just, but also loving God. And and what the gospel shows us, what what's, what the what Jesus' death on the cross shows us, is that is that um, is that God really, that kind of almost like his love kind of wins out, and that his his justice is satisfied, so that he can have that love loving relationship with us for eternity. There's just one analogy I'll use quickly. Um, you know, I, I always like to talk like if you're in a, if you're in a courtroom, right? And um, the reality is, is that like our, our sin, our works can't save us. Our work, so like imagine we're all in a courtroom, and mm. let's say we all committed murder because you know we're talking like in terms of God's eyes, we're talking about the perfectly holy, just God of the universe here. That's literally, you know, like He's infinitely perfect. So my point is, let's say say we all did murder in a human courtroom. It's just then 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 we try to say to the judge, look at all the good things we've done in our life. Uh, we helped the old lady the other day. We helped her family. We, whatever gave some money to the poor. That's not going to excuse our murder, right? The same way, the same way with this holy God, that that our our sin can't be excused by. There has to be punishment for it. And so imagine the judge. So you know we're all there for murder. Imagine the judge said, "Hey, I'm going to take the death sentence for you guys." Like that's crazy. Like I'm I'm going to be I'm going to I love you so much. I'm not just the judge. I want to be your father. I want to be your friend. Mm. I, 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 I love you. 
and that is the gospel message and it's just it just like it just you know makes you want to choke up like it's just so beautiful and yeah. and that's that's what the gospel message is about and then and then it gets even better it's like he takes the punishment for us so what so he can put his spirit in us the holy spirit in us hmm. and now we, we have a new nature where we actually desire god where we actually want to love him because he first loved us where now and and it gets better he keeps working in our hearts we become more like him we grow in love we grow in unity and then we're we're working towards well the holy spirit's working through us and and it's going towards um he's going to return one day and when he returns he's going to completely get rid of all the sin in the world all the pain and for all of eternity we are going to spend um time with him and it's going to be amazing it's like perfect I don't know, just overflowing of his love and his goodness and, and it's, it's going to be incredible that, that's basically the gospel message and it, it's through faith faith in what he did and believing in what he did and asking him to come into our lives mm. it, it, yeah. it's basically just accepting a gift it's not about saying i can do things it's about saying god did this for me and i'm going to believe that he did this for me and i'm gonna um uh, choose to follow him and have a relationship with him and that's like basically the gospel message yeah um Ethan, can you also touch upon what you think the gospel is to you personally? Like I spoke about like the gospel being a gospel of love, you know? Yeah, like it's, to me, it's all about relationship, right? Because like the gospel message itself is about how God's redeeming like us with relationship. But practically speaking in my own life, because of, because the, the, the Bible's practical, right? Because of this reality of what I believe, now I actually literally have a relationship with God and he literally dwells in me. And like, I literally have been like, experienced him and, and his love and his kindness in my life um j just the way i've seen him work in my friends life, i've seen him work in my own life but it's just it's just absolutely like just incredible just like just to know that like he really like i really can have this relationship and no nobody can really take that away from me like when, when you actually experience god um it, like we it's not just about like believing in your head it's about in your heart too and, and i know that in my heart these truths are real and i've seen him move um in, in my life and become real to me um and god wants to become real to every every single one of us um in that way where he transforms us and just shows his love to us and it's just like i know he loves me and i know lo i love him and that's like yeah basically the reality i you know? get overwhelmed sometimes amazing it's amazing man. <laughs> hearing this like i was like in shivers you know <laughs> for sure like, it's it, it, yeah bro i got goosebumps <laughs> i swear yeah but yeah you got goosebumps uh, uh, when you were when you were giving the story of the judge when when he was giving the story of the judge right at uh, the analogy and he's like the way he just like kind of laid it out and then he was like the judge is literally saying i'm gonna do this for you yeah you know what i mean i got i straight got goosebumps i'm like i don't know if it's because it's cold down here or what yeah. it is but the, but that hit me you know what i mean <laughs> no, that was crazy the, but the, i, 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 I don't sentence for you i was like whoa yeah that's mm. mm. crazy that's what i'm saying I, I don't think the gospel message that's gets old i don't think it gets mm. old at all you know what I mean? I, I think it's mm -hmm. so fresh and I think it's something that needs to be talked about often. 100%. You know what I mean? Uh, it's the cornerstone of Christianity and, and, and the Bible, right? It all leads up to this this pinnacle and that's what it is, right? And then it literally stays there. It doesn't even fall down after that, right? That is a high that stays there. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, um, like, I, I'll tell you real quick what the gospel means to me. It's like... Uh, I don't know. I think the gospel's like like it, it continues to grow in me. You know what I mean? I, th I think uh, I, mm -hmm. I wrote I wrote a paper uh, last semester on on putting on the new self in Colossians, and Colossians holds true to be my favorite book right now <laughs> that I continuously go back to. Um, but it talks about 
Christ dying and, and we're, we die with him, right? Our old self is put to death in that sense. And if we have been raised with Christ through his resurrection, we have to put on our new self, right? And I think that's the gospel message for me is that, you know what? I was dead in my trespasses. I was dead in my sin. Um, but because of Jesus, because of him dying, I put to death my old self, my sinful nature. And because of him, I'm able to put on that new self where everything I do, no pun intended, is to glorify him. You know what I mean? Um, so that, that's the gospel message to me. And I think, I think it's, uh, it just continues to grow in me each day. And then, bro, I'm telling you that analogy. I may have to steal that one. Uh, if someone asked me to kind of explain it to them, that's a really good one because it hit home for me too, right? Yeah. I'm just thinking, like, bro, like, I've, I've done so much bad. Like, haven't we all? I can't even, like, I can't even put yeah. it into words, like, what we've done. Like, I'm, I'm sure all of us have just fallen into sin continuously. Yeah. And like he's just redeemed us, you know what I mean? Redemption, For restoration, real. and and that's what the gospel message is to me. We're so. I think I got that analogy. Oh, it's quick to say. I, think I got that analogy was, from Ray yeah, Comfort. I think. Is, yeah, I think that's, that's what I analogy. got. Yeah, it's a good, 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 cha- pretty good channel to check out. Straight shout out the gospel and even share your faith. Ray Comfort. <laughs> straight shout out. <laughs> they, they, they didn't sponsor <laughs> us. Way <laughs> just, video, just yeah. straight shout out. <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, we're so undeserving of this, yes, but sir. he still did it for us, and we're so unworthy of it, but he still did it for us. Like, I can go on and on about this, like how undeserving of I'm saying. we are, but like, honestly, no. like, I begin to cry when I hear his love and experience his love because his love is that great, and it's. I think he he himself and his love is far. It's not comprehensible because it's it's it exceeds it because i feel like we can, we experience it but i feel like yeah it, yeah words can't say man that's all i can and women men and women <laughs> yeah but seth mm-hmm. can you yeah how about you seth geez bro um yeah i think when i think about the gospel i really just i love paul's words uh it's uh you know for those who are perishing the cross is foolishness for those who are being saved it's the very power of god so whenever i think of the gospel i think that i think of it as it is the saving power of god um first to you and then to the gentile right and um hmm. also when you know when paul is like i imagine when, when he's writing these verses he's freaking like yelling or something and he's like i you know when he's like i preach christ crucified the gentiles call me foolish uh and the jews are chasing after signs right like it's just uh i don't even know bro like when i think about the gospel i just get like really fiery and for me i get like I just get like, I feel like righteous, righteous anger, you know, in my heart, like I really want to start like screaming on the side of the road or something and just like uh, yelling about how Christ is crucified and risen the third day in victory. Like I really just, I really get that, that, that zeal and passion fire to, to want to start yelling about it. And um, I feel empowered to talk about it really. I mean, for me, it's like, yeah, bro, it's literally the saving power of God. It literally is the power to stop people from doing evil. Hmm. and to bring them into a life-saving covenant relationship with god and for them to start like completely like it's not 180 it's the the old person has been crucified with christ has been put to death and a new person comes out of his victory alive wanting good things loving good things for the purpose they've been created which is to love god love others and to do good um and to hate what is evil abstain from evil it's 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 Mm -hmm. man the gospel like it's like credit saying it's a gospel it's a message of love and of hope um and um, of joy, uh, of, 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 you know, of, of excitement and of, of power. And it's real, it's raw, it's uncut, unfiltered. It's, it's, it's not pretty in that sense that it's literally like what God chose to do for men uh, because it was his will that he wanted to make us 
and he knew what he would have to do if he wanted to have us and he did it and it's like i mean it's like ethan was saying like the the, the uh, example of the core is really good where you know we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of god and done evil wicked things and because god is infinitely holy and he's a just and righteous god mm-hmm. he doesn't just you know oh he's just gonna forgive us like there has to be accountability there has to be uh a, you yeah know, there has yeah. to be like you know god says there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood and what he means by that is not that there has to be actual blood but there has to be justice there has to be righteousness there has to be judgment um and you can't just walk away scot-free without somebody paying and thank god that christ paid for us hmm. he lives uh a sin you know like you like even saying god comes in flesh incarnate because only he is holy and sinless and perfect and because he is holy and sinless and perfect and he's never sinned he lived the life of perfect faithfulness to god perfect faithfulness to the father uh, fulfilling the law only doing what is good doing it to the max doing the th- all the things that we could not do right he becomes a man he becomes flesh um and he faces all the trials and temptations that we do yet he did not sin and because of that he becomes a perfect sacrifice for sin mm-hmm. and when he goes to the cross mm-hmm. god puts the full wrath of everything all the punishment that we would receive on christ instead we call that penal substitute substitutionary atonement that he takes our place like you know, the other the other part of that analogy with the the judge thing is that you know if the judge pays your fine, you can go, right? Hmm. And if the judge is paying your and if the judge is putting you on the yeah. stand and you're saying, well, you know, I know I did, I, did, I don't I see all these charges lately laid against me for lying, cheating, stealing, being prideful, being vain, being conceited, um, you know, being lustful, hating people, hurting people, um, you know, give me give me some others, you know, like you know, stealing, mm-hmm. whatever it is, and. And murdering, you know, and all these different things. And it's like, yeah, I see all these charges, but, you know, I'm a good person. You know, like, like you said, like, I, I helped this old lady cross the street today. You know, the judge is going to say, good, you should do all those good things. What does it have to do with the evil things you did, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah like, for sure, yeah, like, bro. God is yeah. made you to do good things. Definitely, you don't get a pat yeah. on the back for doing what you're made to do. Uh, you mm. know, it pleases yeah, God. For sure. But you're not doing him a favor, mm. right, by doing by doing not good. Yeah, right? sure. For sure. So you are being, and yeah. the judge will say, you know, great, great. You should do all those things anyway. You're being held accountable for all these things, right? You were judged for your sin, right? And um, what's important about the gospel is that it's strictly through God's grace. His grace is undeserved favor of what he's did through Christ. Because there's no way. No, for sure, bro. There's no way you could for earn sure. your place in God's presence. <laughs> Nah, for sure. Yeah, infinitely holy. Amen, you know, holy yeah. means, uh, as an example, like I think that so. That I, I feel like that word's lost proper meaning, and that and in the circles it's used to you know arbitrarily. Like holy means that when uh, the high, it means in the Old Testament, you came face to face to God, you would die instantly because you are a sinner, and you a sinner mm. cannot stand in God's mm. presence. That's what it means that He's holy, right? Yeah, you cannot earn your assessment in God's presence. Mm-hmm. Meaning, it doesn't matter how many good things I do; how good is good enough, right? Yeah, no. Physically, sure. good doesn't mean that I, I help sure. my mom take out the trash. Good means that I get death, like in you know, Ray Comfort uses this too. That good means morally perfect in the dictionary, Webster's dictionary, right? So only God is morally perfect. So how are you going to measure up to God's standard? Mm. How good is good enough? Yeah. If if you are weighed yeah. on what on the things that you've done on the last day of Judgment Day, maybe you'd have a, yeah. you know, thousands of good things and millions, maybe billions, honestly, of sins piled up against you. And if God judges you by that standard about what, about good versus uh, the um, or the good things you've done, everybody's going to hell. I promise you, everybody's going to hell. <laughs> Nobody will have, and everybody sure. can, and, and, and you know, if and everybody knows that because they know themselves that we've done so many evil, wicked things. There's no way the good could ever measure up. We would be, we'd be damned. 
you know for sure and i think i think uh as you like talk about it right it's like firing me up because like no offense to anyone out there but who who created this idea that we can work and do do things to attain something that god has paid for you know what i mean like like it's by god's grace and mercy that we're saved like it bothers it, like i can't comprehend it in my mind like it, it bothers me to think that through our checklist and through religion like that that we're going to attain uh god's perfect gift of salvation well this is exactly I mean? why through believing in a son yeah, like, well this is exactly why it, that- it, bo- it literally bothers me like I, it's keeping up at night i'm, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> to myself i'm like bro like who, who came up with this idea that like what like it <laughs> makes be, no sense bro to be honest though to be honest hey bro no, 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 okay, okay, to be honest no, though, it's problem. the sin problem, it's, it's, it's all of us humans, all of us have a tendency to, because of our insecurity, I feel like as humans are very insecure, because of our tendency, we want to look at other people and look at, like, compare yeah. ourselves, like, how am I better than yeah. this person, and, and that makes us feel, we, 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 our working is trying to make us feel better about <laughs> ourselves, because I think deep down internally, there's this, like, there's this, like, our spirit, our spirit knows that we are good enough for God, and we, we don't want to accept that mm. reality, so... And, and I think, I, I, so, you know, I, I keep for coming out with that passion. At the same time, though, I also got to have some sympathy because you're all, all of us, though, like, um, we have that tendency, right? We're so easy to compare or even put religious standards on ourselves and on others. That'd be a great podcast just talking about uh, hypocrisy, religiousism, just kind of like working, um, trying yeah. to like, you know, all those yeah. kind of things. But, um but no, I totally, I totally get the idea though. Like, it, it is so stupid though. You're right, Keith, for another sense. Like, it's like, it, it's also at one level, it's like yeah. I understand, but at the other level, you're right. Cause That's it's what like, I'm saying. Cause That's it's exactly like, what I'm saying. God makes it so yeah. obvious yeah. to us, right? but it's like, it's, it's so, it, it sounds what too is, good to be what, true, what, but what it's is like too, so, it is it's so good. good. It, it is, is so true, right? And the reality here is like, like it should make you mad because <laughs> exactly every right, single yeah. other ideology and religion on earth has a works system, right? Um, and this is what exactly why this stupid nonsense that all religions yeah. is the same is so foolish because actually it's only Christianity that has this concept that you are saved through grace by faith and it's literally nothing you can do about mm-hmm. it if God chose not to reach out his arm you're damned you're done it's over right yeah. so like Ethan said it's a pride issue it's a sin issue that we were prideful we don't want to admit that we need a savior or that we need help or that we're not enough we want to earn our way ourselves and uh, the Jews struggled with this too in Jesus' time when he was rebuking the Pharisees. They wanted to be made they wanted to be made by right by the law, right? And the same thing happens in the book of Galatians. Paul is addressing a people, a group of people who are trying to go back to the law, who want to be made right by the law, and are trying to add that to Christ's completed work, which is a big no no. Um, and that is yep, to, yep. that is adding to the gospel, which mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. going to incur God's anger, right? So it's also really important to know too, like you're saying, we've a comparison standard. Um, that uh, I mean, first of all, just to echo Kiefer's point, it's foolish to think we can earn ourselves in God's presence. Um, he's infinitely holy and infinitely good, and he's never done anything wrong. How are you ever going to do be good enough? It's yeah. impossible. Christ had to be good enough for you. It says you're made right by his righteousness, or you're made right by God, right? And I think also and, and yeah. when it comes to this, yeah. you know, like the comparative thing, people always say, you know, if, if we're talking about, you know, God's condemnation, the fact that we just, we're sinners who deserve to go to hell, people usually be like, well, I haven't killed anybody. Like, I'm not Hitler, right? That's usually what always, Hitler always comes with the conversation. But what's so interesting <laughs> is that Hitler is not the standard. They always go to the opposite direction. They go to the worst person they can think of. Well, actually, God is the standard, and that's the best possible standard. So they always go to the worst thing ever. Let's really think of the worst person mm-hmm. possible that I'm Fact. definitely better than, right? X, you know, quote, air quotes. Hmm. Where in reality, they're thinking the wrong way. If you have a, or a born or generated mind, you're born again in God and you know who God is, you understand that actually he's the bar, he's the standard. 
um, and it's about not being good enough, not about not about being not as bad as somebody else. Um, and in that department, we're all mm-hmm. uh, not doing so great, right? <laughs> so um, I think what's amazing yeah. about the gospel too is that when you look at it, it makes everything else look like a joke when you compare it to other things. When you look at it compared to other belief systems, when you compare Jesus and the cross to other ideologies and other things in this world, it literally makes it, it's, it makes you stand back and be like, wow, like this is crazy. Like it's a human mind cannot conceive this and make it up. Like it's it's insane, right? Um, yeah. It's just, it is the saving mm-hmm. power of God, right? Yeah. And if you have, and, you, yeah. and, and what's yeah. so crazy about the gospel too is yeah. that it's it's the way God is, has made the saving message for all people, because that's what it is it's for all people. There's no other way to be saved. Is that children can understand? Exactly. You know, people in different countries, all over the world, in different languages can understand. They can all understand this very simple way. Um, I and mean, when Paul preaches it in, in Acts 17, he's preaching to the Greeks. He says, "Okay, first and foremost, there is one God overall. He doesn't have human needs. He doesn't in a temple, right, where he has physical needs that need to be met. Um, he's mm-hmm. infinitely holy, and he's made you for a loving relationship with himself." We've done all kinds of evil, wicked things that will put his condemnation, his wrath on us. So we're not deserving. We cannot measure up to the standard. And we don't have any way other than Christ of being reconciled to him um, and then having our sin atoned for completely. Um, and it's the atonement really is the only reason we can go to heaven is because God has put all the punishment we would have received on Jesus so that we can mm. walk away scot-free. Um, and it's his resurrection, which is really important. Well, I think is you know when we talk about the gospel, and this is I think I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Is that I typically when I'm preaching the gospel, I'm thinking about it, I usually leave out the end part, which is weird. Um, because when Jesus is preaching the gospel, it's called the gospel of the kingdom, and he's talking about also the future, the kingdom he will establish, and the eternal life that you will either be raised to, right? Why the resurrection is so resurrection is so important is it's the pinnacle object of our faith. That event is contingent on everything else happening as well only because only yeah that's the hope of glory that's the hope like uh, mm-hmm. only because christ is resurrected on the third day does our is our faith confirmed that everything in scripture is true that that everything that happened is true that is the yeah. focal point for everything else that we mm-hmm. believe everything else because of what christ did and only because he's resurrected mm-hmm. on the third day in victory is is our soul a sin atone for that is a confirming event um that he is who he says he is he did what he said he did um, that there will be and also what's important too again like also the kingdom and also what Paul te- te- uh, uh, makes clear to the Greeks in Acts 17 is that he's the first fruits of the resurrection his resurrection proves there will be a final day of resurrection where everybody will give an account to God um, that is evidence of that as well so I mean the resurrection is equally important God's vi- Christ has to have victory over sin and death in the grave hmm. um, and um, the enemy like demons to set us free to purchase us by his blood um I love what it says that it says that we were purchased and bought by God for himself, not by gold and silver, but perishable things that decay and lose their value. By Christ's precious blood, we were purchased, ransomed, as such an important word, ransomed, um, that, you know, him in place of us, we were purchased by his blood and bought by him um, to be his people, uh, to be a holy nation, to be his prized possession, um, to be the bride of Christ, to be holy and set apart from, to now... uh, like, I think I can stop here. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm going in here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're chilling. I just wanted to talk about the resurrection. It's important that Christ is alive because that's what our faith is hope uh, is, is completely on, right? There is no oh, yeah, atonement sure. and all these different things. Um, if God doesn't confirm that Christ is who He says He is by that event, right? So, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe we can add one more thing quickly in ten seconds. Is it? Uh, is that the gospel is the most important thing ever? If it's true, and it is, um, and everything else becomes absolutely 
not even second place in comparison to it. Um, it is a life-altering message where if you accept that it is true and what it affirms, you have to change, you have to respond. There has to be a transformation if it's actually real in your life and your mind. For sure. Um, and its implications, and uh, quick shout out to Jordan Peterson if you know who that is, is like, you know, people, when people wrestle with, is that if it's true, it changes <laughs> literally everything overnight. Nothing can ever be the same. Um, and, and that's uh, part of its beauty. Quick, cricket, how's that for a transition to the next one? That's yeah, good. I I actually wanted to uh, Ooh, talk that's, about that's a pretty good transition. Uh, eh? Not, not the, planned, but uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know if you intended no, that I'll one. I'll definitely claim it. I'll definitely claim solid. it. Let's go for that. The next uh, point we wanted to discuss about is the born again experience. So I don't know if you guys, many of you guys know, but in John, Jesus talks in Nicodemus about being born again, and this can actually be found in John three. Like I'm not gonna go over the whole passage because the passage is really good for give it for time. But John three is what I want you guys to check out if you guys want to check this out. But I actually want to talk a little bit more about the born again experience because I feel like it's sometimes misunderstood. So, like regarding your testimony, because that's part of your born again experience. Like every story is powerful unique and different our story is the same in the sense that we came to know christ but also different and unique and i don't like so much people come to me here they're like because i come from a hindu family and they're like oh your story is so unique you're so so powerful but i'm like even though you come from a christian family as well and you still have a born again experience your story is as past powerful as mine and i want people to whoever is listening that your story is powerful and it's meaningful mm. and mm-hmm. and the other one Thanks. would be like when we're baptized as a baby or whoever is baptized as a baby I wasn't it's not a born again experience I'm sorry for those who thought it was but it's not a born again experience because I would replace the word baptism in like baby baptism with the with baby dedication you're dedicating the baby to the lord and yeah for sure for sure and i think just real quick i just want to say i think it's important for people to understand that baptism and the born again experience are two separate Mm -hmm. things you know what i mean they have similar meanings and all this kind of stuff but they are two separate things um so for to say like an infant through baptism is born again is literally it's literally impossible right so but yeah go ahead and like also um the idea of like the the baby baptism or the baby dedication i would say that's a better word is more for the parents to help the child walk in the faith to raise up the child in the faith if that makes sense to any of you that's listening that's what i would see and i don't think it's a born again experience because you have to be a mature believer in christ and i feel like that happens when you can realize oh this is a choice that i'm making because accepting christ into your world and into your life and being born again is something that you choose freely and it's not forced upon and i think all these guys can agree upon this and they can add more to it but that's that's just what's on my heart mm-hmm. now yeah crickets crickets uh, got the nail on the head there with uh you know being baby baptized is not being born again um being baby dedicated is not born again and also being baptized is not synonymous with being born again either um those th- <laughs> there, there we go, go. <laughs> all, all three things right so <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, being born again is, I mean, it's part of the greatest thing ever, which is your, your salvation. Um, 
Uh, it literally means, uh, I mean, everything changes. Like I was saying earlier with the gospel, like uh, when you accept and understand the truth of the yeah. gospel message and you accept it, nothing's ever the same. Um, it's literally being born again as God literally turns on the lights, um, you know, sets you free from your life of sin, fills you with, your, with his Holy Spirit, and really transforms you and changes you in a supernatural way um, that is stark and tangible and real where you have a, it's more than a 180 yep. like it says where you know the old old you was put to death the, the old you that was living in sin that person is not even it's not even alive it's not even alive anymore you were born you were born into a new life where you mm. all the things that you were you know even though you know that you were um that you didn't like that you weren't interested in um like you know godly things scripture um you know doing what is good loving what is good um you know obeying god's laws you know being in the right relationship with all those things that you were not were foreign to you and you were you know when you were living in rebellion against god Everything supernaturally, pretty much like almost like overnight, becomes attractive to you. Um, you love God. You want to obey God. You want to live for God. You want to um, put Him first and have Him and live uh, a life of faithfulness for the rest of your life. You want to be with Him in heaven more than anything. Uh, you want to obey and do what He says. You want to live for His will and not for your own selfish desires. Um, it's it's crazy. Like you overnight, you everything that God wants, you want. Everything that He hates, you hate. Uh, everything that He desires, you desire. Um, and uh, you love Him more than anything. And it's just it's. It's literally like God re rebirths your mind and your heart mm. and your soul um, and completely makes it uh, makes it in alignment with Him, um, where everything of your past life, all the sin, all the evil, all the wickedness, like all of that becomes unattractive. All becomes dust and ash. You see everything worldly becoming completely unattractive and worthless in an instant. Where all those things that you were chasing after before. They yeah. lost their shine. They're literally dust and ash. And it says, mm. "What God says, I, I gave Not you beauty for, sure. for ashes, right?" And um, mm. and and now it's like you crave, uh, you're you're content and satisfied in God completely only, mm. um, and the things that He brings, good godly things, like it says in Scripture, you know, He satisfies our desires with good things, um, and that even strong lions go hungry sometimes, but those who love the Lord lack no good thing. That God satisfies you completely in Him, He, he satisfies you in love and in joy and in peace and a relationship, a personal relationship with Him, um, and uh, you know, family and. Um, just just good things like you now instead of chasing after worldly things like it says in scripture you have treasure in heaven um or i think it's the mm. beginning of ephesians where uh paul opens this by saying that i think it's ephesians where he says uh we well, are experiencing every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because you're, you're united with christ um, that's exactly I, I forgot where it is but that's the verse we're, we're experiencing every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because you're united with christ um with christ's victory on the cross you were suffering your you were free, set free from your sin Set free from the uh, you know the hold of demons from the enemy, um, um, you are no longer afraid of death. You have victory over death. Like you have, you are completely born again, a new person, living relationship with God, loving God, um, and mm. um, wanting what He wants. And and just like again, the important part is seeing all the stuff that you literally just saw as attractive. You know, sex and money and greed and selfishness and you know all these different things. You, you see it as worthless. It's it's it doesn't mean anything. It's it's literally like dust and ash, and these things are unattractive and don't mean anything to me. And I yeah. hate them. I don't want them. I'm running the opposite direction now. I'm going towards God. Like even though my body's decaying, my soul, my mind, and my heart are alive, and they're going towards God every more and more every day. Um, it's also an exponential thing. It's not just a one-time thing. You're exponentially like gaining speed, um, chasing after God more and more, falling in love with Him more and more, um, becoming more godly, being sanctified, like we call it. That God, over time, is convicting you more and more of your sin, taking it out, refining you like gold, um, and you know, by fire, right? Um, changing you, making you more like Him. 
uh, and less like yourself. So it is a one-time event, but also a lifelong. I mean, the, the mm. mark of being born again is, uh, is living a fruitful life for, for the rest of your entire life. Um, constantly bearing fruit in relationship with God shows that you were really born again because you were constantly moving forward yeah. in a relationship with God and bearing fruit that everybody can see that, okay, he is bearing fruit in his relationship. He or she is bearing, bearing fruit in a relationship with God um, and is uh, becoming more like him. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I think there's so a million things I could say. And what I will say, though, to end yeah. off, though, is that it's impossible but, to explain <laughs> to non-believers, I think, almost. Because uh, it's so... Hey, bro, Nicod- Nicodemus even had it, trouble understanding he it. He did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> like, like, what is it? What do you mean? Do I have to go back so, into my mother's room? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I'll just open a quick... Yeah, you definitely said a really lot of great points there, Seth. Um, I feel like if I could just, like, maybe clarify a couple of things. So, like, basically what you did is you talked about being born again, but then you started talking about sanctification, right? And, you, and what you're saying is, like, because, like, you know, for those listening, sanctification is becoming more like Christ. Like, God working our hearts to make us become more like Him. And, like, what happens when you're born again, like, I completely agree. It's a, it's a stark change in your life. It's a, there's, a, there's this complete contrast where it's a 180 change. But the reality is, though, is that we still struggle yeah. against sin. And, you know, what Paul acknowledges that there's still mm-hmm. sin in us. I think I think where the sin resides, you know, is in is in our bodies and our minds, but like in our spirit. Um, I mean, that, that's, we can get a big discussion about this later. You know, the difference between spirit and soul, but like in our spirit, you know, I think it's like you know that that's what's perfect and um, that's what's united with Christ and we're seated in heavenly places. Um, another thing too is uh, once you're born again, I also believe in eternal security. I mean, that can be another discussion for another time. But uh, but the reality is, we still do struggle against sin, and we do have a, a responsibility in our relationship with God. So like, once you're born again. Then we're talking about sanctification. Then we're talking about like, well, now it's now it's between you. You have yeah. a responsibility to get closer and closer to God and and to let Him For work sure. in your life. Um, but 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 but, the, but this is the thing about being born again, right? It's that like, is that um, God does the inward change, so now I can now I can like work on this relationship with God. If you know what I mean. So it's not like I'm. Um, if you try to do things and you try to grow without being born again, mm. it's not going to work. Like you have to be born yeah, again yeah, first. For sure. I have to be born of spirit sure, first, yeah. right? Um, and, and, that's, and that comes back to like the works thing, right? Like you can't you can't do the works. You have to have the faith and let the born again thing yeah, happen first. Sure. And then once that happens, mm. then you have the power. Mm. Now you have the power of God. You have the holy God in you who's given you the mm-hmm. new desires. He's given you the new heart. Now that he's given you that new heart, you actually have the power and ability to overcome any temptation. Uh, in Corinthians somewhere, it says like, like God will not, in any temptation, like um, there's always a way to escape and endure it. But that's only possible. The, you always have a chance against beating it if you're born again. If you're not born again, it's hard, right? It's hard. Like, it's hard. For sure. It's it, it's it, not, not not that you can't, but then you also have to wonder what nah, are your motives. Sure. To. Exactly. So when you're born again, right. he also gives you new motives sure. too, right? But but the Holy Spirit, the Holy God's in us now. So I, I don't. There's just yeah, some clarifications I want. I want no, for no, sure yeah, motivations like, uh, too. I would say like if you yeah. if you know if you can't battle sin as a non-believer, and like you said, motivations. If as a non-believer, what it's causing you inconvenience is bothering you. Okay, well that's not what it is for a born-again Christian. It's that it's evil and wicked and wrong, and I know that intrinsically that it is oppositional mm-hmm. to God, and I hate that, and it grieves me internally. Mm-hmm. And that's what it means also to be full of God's Holy Spirit. It's a piece of God, a piece of this Holy Spirit, not the whole thing, uh, in, in the hearts of every single believer who's born again. And the Holy Spirit is the one who enables you to live a life of faithfulness and love and, and, and uh, devo- devotion and obedience to God. You cannot live that life without the Holy Spirit. Yeah, That's what it means to be born again. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I just want to say, like, uh, what's crazy too about being born again is that when you, when you sin, like you said, because we still have fallen flesh, so we, we sin, we're not glorified yet. And that's, I mean, I'm just using terms now, I shouldn't even leave for another day. <laughs> but um, you are grieved beyond belief, and you never want to do it ever again. 
um, yeah. which is not something that do that that crushing soul crushing guilt and and grief. It's grief. Mm-hmm. It's godly grief. Yeah. Is what it call, it's called. It's called before the Holy Spirit it means you can now. You, there's no such thing as godly grief before Him, uh, where you yeah. your godly grief is not self centered. It's it's humble grief, where in the sense that you are conscious of God, that God has sinned against you, and you, and you grieve almost almost to tears that I don't want to do this again because I love you and I don't want to do this, you know, and that that's it's something that is completely unique to to being born again and be filled with God's Holy Spirit. So yeah, go ahead, Cricket. Sorry. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, Cricket, man. I was gonna say yeah, I I see you sitting on some wisdom here. <laughs> no, it's all wisdom. There's no wisdom. I was just gonna say like you guys are gonna be able to hear our born again experience sometimes. Like we're gonna be hopefully posting it with this like with this blog. So hopefully it all comes. We're gonna hopefully have like a couple podcasts or like a couple episodes out for you guys at the same time so you can hear about a born again experience and see the transformation that god has done in our lives the sanctification like the big words that we've been using here but yeah like yeah you you guys would hear that because i feel like you guys want to hear our own testimony and our own stories yeah that's all i wanted to say yeah no for sure and and i just want to now you're chilling bro and i wanted to add to that and just say um like I'll, I'll talk a little more personal in terms of uh, like what it means to be born again for me, but like kind of growing up and being con- like this, in my opinion, like you're kind of conditioned uh, as a child to like pursue certain things in life, right? Like uh, education is good and all, but then it, it says like, what's this job going to be? How much does this job pay? Blah blah blah. And that kind of conditioned my mind personally to be like, I need this amount of money. I need to pursue this. This is the, these are the finer things in life. I don't want to be driving a Camry. I want to be driving Amen. a van. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like, hey, bro, yeah. both cars get you to A and B. So I don't That's know true. what the problem yep. is. But regardless of that, I'm saying like, when I was born again, I, as Seth was describing, I literally felt like a a snap, right? And it kind of just turned me off to all these things. And I was like. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. That's not what I'm saying. It's not bad to pursue um, certain things. It's not bad to want a good salary. It's not bad to have a good salary. It's not bad to have a good car. I'm not saying any of that stuff, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. What, I, what I'm saying right. is that's secondary right. now. You know what I mean? It's no longer my initial pursuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, my initial you. pursuit is to be constantly purified in that refiner's fire. You know what I mean? To, to let God work in me and transform me. And uh, that's what being born again was to me. It's kind of like I'm... All this stuff is secondary, and as you were saying, Ethan, like you still, like you're still gonna struggle. You know what I mean? Like I still, like recently, a couple months ago, I was struggling. I was like, bro, like I love what I'm doing, pursuing God's purpose for my life, but like I'm also like internally, like my flesh is is battling with my my spiritual mind, right? It's telling me, yeah, a, like maybe there's for not sure. enough money in this sector. Like, what about this? What about this? And I'm like, no, like I gotta submit. Mm myself and submit the flesh yeah. to the spirit of christ that's been that's been birthed in me now right so it's a constant struggle but i think as, as you continuously uh walk with god and as seth was saying like you can you're sanctified as a process right um but being born again is is the starting line it's not mm. the finish line so i think it's important Amen, people yeah. people get that straight right attaining salvation is not the end it's the start of your walk with god so yeah i mean I'll- I actually just want to read this to tack on to Kiefer's yeah, point real sure. quick. Uh, this passage in uh, Luke 12, if that's cool, real quick. Um, it's a parable of the rich fool. Okay. Luke 12. Um, this is an NLT, but whatever, that's okay. Uh, then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told him a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. 
then I'll have enough room to store all my weed and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? And this is the part I wanted to come to for being born again. Yes, a person is a fool to store earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Hmm. So only if you're born hmm. again do you see having a rich relationship with God infinitely more valuable than hmm. anything else. And everything else is literally like gray and bland. <laughs> not even comparable. Exactly. <laughs> right? So there you have it. Just wanted to read that yeah. real quick. And, and, and you know, it's funny you said that. I just want to... I'll, I'll, finish i don't want to drag this on too long but i just got to say that's so applicable to what i've been feeling this past week because i've been like you know what bro like I, i've literally arrived at this place where i'm like i'd rather take this relationship with god than anything else yep. in the world i'd rather have this than a massive house i'd rather have mm -hmm. this than a sick car i'd rather have this than uh For like sure. all the women in the world whatever it may be i already got one you know <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm chilling I'm, hey. I'm just i'm happy hey, with go. where i am and, and i've really come into full acceptance mm -hmm. of god's will for me and it's made me so secure in in this walk and i think that's what the born again experience does for you it makes you secure in your walk yeah it makes god. you content and satisfied and that is those you cannot be content and satisfied in anything except for god i think mm -hmm. what's interesting too but we, we could have talked about it in the gospel message is that you've been created in the image of god which means that you have emotions you have reasoning intellect and you have a void that god is supposed to fill because he's yeah. made you in his image for himself so if you're living for everything else but him you're never going to have that 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 filling that satisfaction that contentment yeah. right he has to he is enough yeah. he has to be enough for you otherwise you'll never get to that point you're always i think scripture says um i don't remember the context of the verse but it says i think chasing but never arriving or seeking but never arriving right yeah that's, yeah, that's what it yeah, is for worldly it. things seeking but never getting there and i think for me it's like <laughs> i'm not gonna do this today but mm -hmm. you know i was a huge muscle head right just in the gym every day it's never good enough never as long, as long as I reach that next goal, okay, now it's on to the next one. Now it's on to the next one. Next one. The next one. I look in the mirror. I'm not happy, even though you can, like, you know, this thing, huge thing. Again, mental illness, a different day, but body dysmorphia, right? Man's be huge, massive. Look in the mirror and will see themselves as skinny and weak, and and be depressed and and torn over about it. It's never good enough. Anyway, mm. cricket, yeah, cricket. I think you say something, bro. <laughs> no, I was. You were talking about mating, mating God image, and I feel like that's a good transition to like, if we're going to Genesis, right? Like why do we why did all this happen like why yes, are we sir. so you know y'all are y'all yeah. are killing it with yo, the transitions this right guy now i definitely waited on that he was like yo i got it <laughs> yo, i got <laughs> i'm like you know yeah hey yeah. light um, bulb but yeah Kiefer, do you want to actually talk about like original sin like why why are we so corrupt like what happened like where did it begin you know hey for th for those of you who don't know uh cricket often calls uh, other people Kiefer and he calls me Seth so I think uh, he, he no. may have wanted to talk to someone else here because I was actually meaning I'm you I'm not even time. sure I was actually meaning you it was between it was between oh okay okay but no I want to hand it over I think Ethan and it was Ethan, totally Ethan and Seth one of you two are, are they're really gifted um, with kind of uh, explaining these concepts and then I'll, I'll definitely jump in later but if you one of you want to grab the mic and, and take it away with this concept original scent okay so not <laughs> that was weird bro my bad okay um <laughs> okay sorry um no yeah okay so original sin um i think we want to start with this is that when god creates everything is good okay when god creates in the, in the, in the genesis narrative in the biblical narrative it says he says good i think it's six times six times and then the seventh day when he creates no, no sorry my bad he says 
good five times. And on the sixth day, when he creates man, he says, very good, okay? So there is no corruption, no decay, no death, nothing, no disease, uh, no natural disaster, no stars blowing up uh, billions of light years away from us. Like, everything is good. Everything is perfect and in his image. And, not perfect, sorry, my bad. Everything is good and in the way that he wants it to be. Um, so evil, suffering, decay, death, disease, all these different things, these are all a result of original sin or the fall, as we call it, okay? So God creates everything in his image, everything, everything he makes by his hands is good. There is no evil or anything at this point. How could it be? Everything God makes is good by his handiwork. Um, and usually when we're talking about sin, or we're talking about evil, sorry, it's really important to def define it really properly. In our theology, we would say we would call it a privation of good. What that means is, is that it is an absence of good. It's not a created thing by itself. In the same way that heat, uh, so that cold is not um, created, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's an absence of heat. Um, you know, heat is molecule, molecules, you know, moving around together really fast and cold is them not moving at all or moving slowly. So that's not something by itself. It's just an absence of something. Or for example, um, light and darkness. Um, darkness is the absence of light. It's not something on itself on that sense. It's an absence of light, right? So in the same way, evil is in absence or a privation of, of good. And this is just to say that God is holy and blameless in his creation. Everything he's made by his hands is good. Why would he make anything deficient? Everything is is, is a-okay. So in the garden, everything is, is fantastic. And then when Ed, Adam and Eve rebel against God and they sin against him, you know, they in the garden, when uh, they, they're deceived by the serpent, right, by Satan, and they choose to define, uh, they choose to, you know, define good and evil for themselves at the tree. They sin against God by defying, defying his command. Um, then... That's original sin. Sin and death and decay and everything entered into the world. Disease, um, evil and suffering, um, our predisposition is what we call it, our predisposition as well entered the world um, of wanting to sin more than wanting to do good. Uh, we call that, uh, you know, you can call it our sin nature. Whereas that we are now, pre every single person after Adam and Eve now, we are all predisposed to wanting to do evil things, to wanting to, and, and to living in sin, which is why you have to be set free by Christ, why you have to be born again. Um, because you are not in that framework anymore more that God made you in where you where you want a relationship with God where you understand God where you obey God because you trust him now everything is all out of whack um, which is why everything in the world is in turmoil um, so and it's really important what's really important um, about this is that first and foremost um, and I like Kiefer's uh, quote on this he didn't say it here but uh, you know we got to stop blaming God and start accepting the fact we live in a fallen world um, so everything in God's creation everything everything he has done is good um, and everything that is bad is our call is is directly because we rebelled against him. Everything everything that is evil is oppositional to his glorious character. Um, so he is holy and sinless and blameless. Everything he's made is good. And this is so important also when you're wrestling through difficult things to remember that God is good and doeth good. Right. Mm. That everything is everything he does is and touches is good. Um, and everything e evil is either a product of demons or of us. Right. Um, or decay and decay in this world, and also so really, mm -hmm. it's also really important. Um, and this is a different topic for a different day. When we're talking about things like uh, LGBT, and it's so important to have an understanding of original sin. It's so crucial because gay people say things like, you know, God may be this way, right? Mm. And what's important about original sin is that the only people that God made directly by His hands are Adam and Eve. He has not made anybody else by His hands. Because he is, his command in the, in the garden was be fruitful and multiply. So he has made the system that natural reproduction is, 
you know, producing kids by, right? So, and he, that is his will for us to subdue the earth and fill it, like he told Adam and Eve, right? For a man, that's, that's his command. So we are made by natural process, right? Obviously, God is willing, right, things to continue. If you're alive, it's because God willed it to be so. Um, but if you're born with a disease, you're born with a defect, you're born without arms, you know, you're born with a weak heart, all these different things, these are not because God made you deficient. Why would I bring him any honor and glory to make you in a less good way? Um, you hmm. are born with the effect of sin in this world, a fallen world. And um, that also applies to being, being born with a predisposition to having a same-sex attraction as well, if that, if that is the case. So that's just a quick sidebar as why, just a quick example of why it's so important to understand original sin because your theology can be all out of whack. You understand, again, this is what we were talking about in the intro video as well, that this is a worldview. Um, so if you don't understand the worldview of original sin, nothing around you is going to make sense or you're going to be missing things and it's going to cause problems in your understanding and in your relationship with God. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Um, like you talked about suffering and I actually wanted to touch upon this. The idea of suffering and I think more goodness comes out of the suffering than the suffering itself and I'm pretty sure a lot of these guys agree with the same thing and I feel like God can use us in any situation he puts us in and more greater good would come out of that I just want to talk about that but that's just on my heart because I'm passionate about that topic about people think that they might not be but I think we might not see it but he's still doing work you know we might not hear it but he's still doing work right and are yeah. like yeah. yeah like how do we know what's happening with covid like cuz covid we're in covid season like we're you know like we're like, oh, beautiful topic <laughs> you know <laughs> i just but like anywhere else in the world like we might know what's happening in canada but we don't know what's happening in like uh the us or like every corners of the world you know you know that's a really good point cricket i really love that like uh it's like david says if i talk about your good deeds i'll never come to the end of them so i mean we emotionally let sin and evil affect us more um so when, you know so we let we let those things affect us more so they're more forefront in our mind we get more angry and more consumed about those things but god is definitely doing more good and there is suffering and that's saying something because we <laughs> acknowledge the yeah. suffering more if we're being honest we do we see it and it bothers us more it makes mm. it goes to the forefront of our more it consumes our minds more right but I like, I like your point, Cricket. God, if you believe in God that he's alive, that means that he is doing infinitely more good, which is insane. Because yeah. we're never going to see and be able to account, account for it all. Yeah. And then, but then and when he returns, and then when we're glorified, man, it's all yeah. going to make sense then. It's going to be, like, crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we definitely, definitely need more positive outlooks in, like, this life. But, like, our, our ultimate hope is in, in to come where we know that all things will be worked. Uh, he, he, that's, like, you know, Romans 8.28. He works all things together for the mm. good of those who... Um, love him and it's, it's gonna be uh it's gonna be incredible like i we definitely gotta have a podcast talking just about uh just about his return just about like glorification just about um that that's heaven uh, heaven was <laughs> that pun things, intended you know? glorify him <laughs> it's always pun intended <laughs> but yeah um yeah I, I think uh you guys explained it really well um it's just funny like i always try my personal view on the bible is that I, I always find it ap applicable to me right when you start to study the bible and and really devote yourself to it you kind of see that the spirit of god manifested in you and the scripture kind of reveals itself to you um so when i look at a, like adam and eve's sin uh and i look at myself and, and then you guys talked about the born again experience as well right i kind of look back at the times where i looked 
like I looked forward. My my natural inclination was to sin, right? I wanted to uh, do all these sinful deeds. I, I wanted to pursue all these things that oppose God. But when I was born again uh, and Christ redeemed me, it's kind of like I look at it all differently now, right? I, I look at those things and I, I I see disgust in it. And if I fall into sin, I I I, I, I repent for it because I don't want to pursue that. But I, I think you guys summed it up well. But um, yeah, I think I think we. I just oh, think we, we need to take more accountability as well, right? As Seth said, I think a lot of the time we blame God. A lot of the time we blame Adam and Eve. A lot of the time we blame uh, uh, even Satan. You know what I mean? Uh, but sometimes we need to take mm-hmm. accountability ourselves. for uh, what's going on within us and and really check ourselves and and subject mm-hmm. our flesh to uh, the Christ yeah. in us. So that's just what I wanted to say. Uh, yeah, like I wanted right. to end up on a good note because I like ending up on good notes. But uh, Ethan, take us off with like the characteristics of God and like we talked about it and like we talked about his love his genuineness his grace like there's so much that we can talk about i think it's good just to recognize that really a lot of it comes to our uh, comes to our hearts comes to our motives this isn't just a a simple you know you do this you do that like god god sees our heart god sees our motives and i think that's a really good part of discussion and a lot of a lot of like you know like for example, like sex, it's not bad. No, it's actually beautiful. It's meant to be experienced in marriage. It's supposed to actually point us to God's love, um, just like the ex- just like that experience. Um, there's just so many things that are like pleasurable and good in this planet, um, and and we take these things and um, and we turn it into something where it's our hearts are, are coming from it with the right. wrong angle. Our, our motives behind it are the wrong angle. So what, what are, why, why are are why are we desiring to do it in this way? It comes from that uh, that disposition where we we we're submitting to that sinful disposition of wanting to do it this way instead of submitting to God's way and letting Him change our hearts. I want to end it off on a good note, right? I want to talk about the characteristics of God and who God is for us. And like we talked about it, like for me, love is everything with within the sense that like God's love. And I think there's so many characteristics of God that we can cover and we can go on and on. But I think Easton's going to actually share with us uh, some of the characteristics that, yeah. Can you take us off, Ethan? I'll start with God's characteristics, just like his moral his moral characteristics. Um, like you know, God is love, right? I mean, that's that's clearly that that literally is a statement in the Bible. God is love in um in First uh, John in, in that book, and I mean, we even see that, and we see that expression of that through the gospel message. Like it's not just an attribute; we see it expressed. Um, you know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, He gave His one only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We see that expression of that. I mean, other God's characters, we know God is just. And uh, we can see, we've already talked about in the gospel message, you know, he needs to punish sin because he's just. You know, there's other characteristics like he is faithful. He is a God that even despite our sin, he continually reaches out to us. Um, he's continually a good father that uh, reaches out to his people and says, like, come and choose me. He's, he's good. He, he's just goodness. Like, that's just an attribute. Like, overall, he's just perfect in everything. Um, uh, there's a unity in, in him and in his attributes. I, I think 
actually that makes me want to transition over now because like um because there's also those attributes that are kind of like transcendent like there's sort of sure we, we as humans we can understand justice and love like to a certain degree like in our own societies and um especially on a different level when you're born again but like you know like uh and, and even faithfulness and things like that but there's those other attributes that our minds can't even like grasp hardly at all like the idea of like god being infinitely powerful the concept of god being everywhere at once omnipresent the idea that god is um i don't know he he was he's timeless or or just things like he's able to exist outside of time and just like things like that or exist outside of space and or kinds of like concepts like that that um we'll definitely have to talk about on another uh, podcast as well but but there, there are these certain attributes of god that are just um that make that make god who he is and um and, and, and you know, it, it kind of brings me to another point. Like God is spirit, right? And I think I think a lot of times it's very um, it's very sad when when people try to try to make our, say make remarks against God and be like almost like kind of comparing to Greek gods or kind of compared to certain gods where he's almost like like he's like in human form. Like God doesn't look like us. Like God made us and then he made himself look like us. Like originally he was just spirit, right? And I, I think that's like a huge misconception. Um, a lot of times it's like people look at christianity or even it's not like the other religions where like we're talking about the um, the eternal infinite god that has no beginning and no end um, and he has no beginning by necessity a- a- everything that has a beginning has a beginning because it depends on him who has no beginning just like things like that i, I think um because people are like who created god the reality is, is that god um had no beginning it, it, it would just be by necessity and definitely a discussion we get into more in our time but these there's just a lot of um a lot of characteristics that really just the, our god is set apart oh that's one more thing he's holy right and, and this in in these attributes that are transcendent he's completely set apart and even in the attributes that we can kind of share in like you know the ones of like love or justice and things like that he 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 is the source of love he is the source of justice and and he is perfectly those things and and, and that holiness is expressed there holiness really meaning set apart and and we will never be um the source of you know love the source of goodness and and, and god in those senses although he wants us to share in yeah. those and, and and be uh um to really dwell in a, in eternity but yeah those are those are yeah. some uh thoughts thank you for sharing yeah like I, we're actually near the end of the podcast and we we don't desire it to be this long i just want to put it up there like we our goal is to have it <laughs> max for one hour and um if we might go to one and a half but hopefully we're trying to cap it at one hour but we did give us that room to talk more freely if we want to i'm gonna actually end this off in prayer yeah dear heavenly father just thank you for being a merciful loving yeah like honestly words can't explain who you are and who you like it's yeah I'm just speechless in a way. But thank you for what's happening here with this podcast. And just thank you for our viewers. You know, I just pray that you just bless them and that they will just be able to uh, learn from this podcast and just learn and just to understand scripture more and just to dive into scripture more and just to wanting to grow into a relationship with you, dear Lord. I just pray that we just do it just as an act of worship to you, just to glorify you in all this. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Glorify Him podcast. This is episode one on foundations. Please follow us on social media for new updates at Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Glorify Him podcast with no space. 
We have new uploads every single Saturday. God bless you and God loves you. See you guys next time.